1: Hi, oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. In today's episode, we'll be learning about that dangerous demon called Greed. We'll begin with an urban legend from Spain, then follow a truck driver on his late night route, look for cursed buried treasure, and pay a visit to Crimson Grove. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. So, want to hear something scary? Coins. The following is based on an urban legend from Spain. Many years ago, there was a large and beautiful house in the center of Cordoba, Spain. It was owned by the Velascos, a very wealthy family comprised of a father, mother, and their nine-year-old daughter, Sofia. Since her parents were usually busy and away for work, Sofia was practically raised by her maid, Isabella. She lived in the house with Sofia and would only go home to her own family one weekend every month. Despite all her years of service to the Belascos, Isabella wasn't being paid a fair wage. But she knew she was better off staying with them than trying to find work elsewhere. One day, Isabella came back to the Belascos' house in tears. What's wrong? Asked Sophia. My son's not doing well. He needs to see a doctor, but I don't know how I'm going to afford it. Why don't you ask my mama and Papa to help? <laughs> I already did. As wealthy as they were, the Belascos were very tight with their money, spending it only on making lavish additions to their home and on their business. That night, Isabella slept in Sophia's room. Sophia's parents were out of town again, and wouldn't be back for a month. Isabella and Sophia were having a hard time falling asleep. After laying in bed for hours, they heard a strange scraping noise coming from the hallway. No one else was home. Did somebody break in? Slowly, they crept to the door and peeked their heads out the doorframe. At the far end of the hallway was a small boy. In one hand, he held a candle, the only source of light illuminating the dark corridor. In the other, he was holding up one of the black tiles, revealing a hole in the ground. Sophia and Isabella watched as he took a small bag from his pocket and poured the contents into the hole. It made a familiar clinking sound. The boy placed the tile back to its original position and walked away, leaving the lit candle on the ground. Sophia and Isabella shared a look. They had both heard the rumors that this house was haunted, but neither of them had ever seen a real ghost before. They had to see what was inside that hole. If the boy hadn't left the candle, there was no way they would have been able to find the loose tile. There were absolutely no indications that this tile could be moved at all. Isabella lifted the tile up. She held the candle over the hole to reveal A pile of gold coins! But the hole was much too narrow for Isabella to go down. I'll go down and get them for you, Sophia offered. Carefully, she shimmied down the hole, gathered the coins, placed them in her pocket, and climbed back up. Isabella was convinced that her prayers had been answered. They climbed back into bed and agreed not to tell anyone else about their secret. The following night, at around the same time, they heard the same scraping sound again. They went to the doorway, and there he was, the same young boy dumping another set of gold coins into the hole. And just like the night before, Sophia climbed down and gathered them for Isabella. This continued every night the rest of the week. Isabella had more than enough coins to pay for her son's doctor bills, but she didn't want to stop. There was an infinite well of money. How could anyone say no to that? On the eighth night, the candle the little boy left had been worn down to an inch. Isabella told Sophia to make it quick because who knows when the candle might go out. Sophia climbed into the hole, gathered the coins, and climbed back up, but some of the coins spilled out of her pocket. Instinctively, Sophia let go of the walls to grab them and fell back to the bottom of the hole. Isabella reached out to try and grab her, but in doing so, she dropped the candle and let go of the tile. Isabella was now in complete darkness. If Sophia was screaming underneath the ground, Isabella couldn't hear her. She had to find another candle, fast. She felt her way back to Sophia's room, but couldn't find one. She blindly stumbled to the kitchen, where she found candles on the dining table. Luckily, there was a matchbox right next to them, and so she hurriedly carried the lit candle back to the hallway. Then her heart sank. She couldn't remember which tile hid the hole. In a panic, she frantically tried to pull up all the tiles she could, but none of them were budging. She collapsed on the ground and wept. A few weeks later, the Belascos returned from their trip, but were confused when neither Sofia nor Isabella were at home. Senora Belasco walked up and down the halls, calling out her daughter's name. Sofia? Sofia, where are you? Mama, help me! Senora followed the voice to the hallway and placed her ear on the ground. Sofia, are you in there? Please get me out of here, Mama! Senora called a construction crew who quickly tore up the tile floor. They found Sofia at the bottom of the hole, decaying, surrounded by shiny gold coins. They say that the house is still there in Cordoba, and if you visit at night, you can still hear poor Sophia <laughs> calling out to be saved. Somebody, please help me! And now, more something scary.
0: You can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. <laughs> Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
1: Our next chapter was submitted by Brian. It's a ghost story that he once heard about the mountains of La Rumorosa. Once there was a man named Henry who was driving a large truck in the middle of the night through Mexico. He was delivering cargo to some local stores. He knew that night deliveries through the wide open areas of Mexico were pretty dangerous, but they paid the most and he needed the extra cash. He'd been driving for hours and everything was fine until he approached the small mountain pass named La Rumorosa. Henry spotted a shadowy figure which then became clear in the lights of his big truck. It was an old man, standing next to the road, pleading for Henry to stop for a moment. Henry had heard all of his co-workers' warnings. He knew he was never supposed to stop for anyone on the road. But this man was so old and looked so sad and desperate. He figured there was no way this old man could harm him, so Henry pulled over. The old man smiled and walked slowly towards the door of the truck. He held out his hands, revealing tons of crumpled bills. Can you please give this money to my wife? I'm on my way to Mexicali to get a better job, and I want to make sure she gets the last of what I have, as the trip has been long. Can you do it? It seemed like such an odd but genuine request. Henry thought about it for a moment. He looked around, trying to see if anyone was hiding behind a rock, waiting to rob him while the decoy old man distracted him. But none of that happened. So Henry told him he'd be happy to help. The old man was ecstatic. He handed him the money and a paper with his wife's address. The old man said, God bless you. I hope the devil doesn't tempt you to take that money. I will know. Oh, God bless you. I hope the devil doesn't tempt you to keep that money. I will know. Then he walked away quickly behind the truck and into the night. Henry thought that that was a pretty weird thing of him to say, but he continued on his way. Over the next few hours, Henry finished all his deliveries and decided to look up the address of the old man's wife. Luckily, it was on his route, so he headed to the house. He found himself in a quiet neighborhood, with many white houses. He found the correct one and knocked on the door. An old lady answered, Good evening, ma'am. Sorry to be knocking on your door at such a late hour, but your husband stopped me by La Rumorosa and told me to give you this. He gave her a handful of crumpled up bills. The lady covered her mouth and let out a confused laugh. You know, it was five years ago that my husband went to Mexicali. And, uh, he was hit by a truck, pretty quickly into his travels. They told me he died instantly. And, uh, well, every two months since then, I've been visited by a stranger, usually a truck driver such as yourself, and they hand me a handful of bills. Henry couldn't tell if she was about to laugh or cry. I guess your husband just really loves you, Henry said. The lady smiled. That's very sweet. And thank you again. She gestured to the crumpled bills. Huh, that's funny. What? It's usually $150 even every time. This is only $30. She cocked her head inquisitively at Henry, who stared back at her for a few moments. Eventually, she broke the silence with a giggle. "'All right, well, you take care now. "'I hope you have a good rest of your night.'" And so Henry went back to his truck and continued on his route back home with the remainder of the crumpled bills on the passenger seat. He remembered what the old man had said about giving his wife all of the money, but how would he possibly know that he kept any of it? That night, he slept at a truck stop and continued home the next morning. It was an unusually hot day, Henry cranked up his AC as high as it could go, but it didn't seem to be working. He opened his windows and rapidly fanned himself with his hand. It was unbearably hot, and Henry wasn't sure he'd make it home like this. As he was fanning himself, his hand began to sting. He looked at his hand and saw that his knuckles were completely dry and cracking. He extended his finger, and the skin ripped off. Blood started pouring from his hands as he gripped the steering wheel. His lips were cracking and splitting. He closed his mouth and tried to keep his eyes open, but they felt so dry he could barely see. He put his hands on the steering wheel, but it was covered in so much blood that his palm slipped and he yanked the wheel sideways. His skin ripped from his body from the force of the jolt as his entire vehicle was sent careening into the nearby gorge below him. As he fell to the depths below, He could hear the old man's voice echoing around him. I told you to give her all the money. Thank you again, Brian, for sharing that story with us. I like that the truck driver was just on board with the fact that he had seen a ghost and a ghost had given him a bunch of money. That actually reminds me of something that somebody told me once where in the 70s or maybe it's still a thing because truck drivers travel long distances over short periods of time people would give them dead bodies to dispose of and then like they would dispose of them and then move along but like no one would ever suspect them because they were always moving i don't know i don't know if that's still a thing but i think that's pretty crazy And our next tale comes from Marta, who tells us about cursed treasure buried in the ground near her grandmother's home. My mom never wanted me to visit my grandma in Mexico. I never understood why, so I pestered her constantly. Why won't you let me see grandma? Don't you love her? It's not that simple, Marta, my mother would say. But this year, when I turned 15, everything changed. My mom told me we were going to visit grandma over the summer. I was so happy. I had never been to Mexico. I wanted to see where my mom grew up. I was finally going to meet my grandma. After the plane ride, we hopped in a cab that would take us to the ranch where my grandma lived. My mom looked nervous the entire time. Now remember, no matter what, do not leave the property for any reason. Okay? You understand? Yes, mom. Jeez, I won't leave. We arrived at the ranch where my grandma was waiting for us at the edge of her property. She gave us both a big hug and ushered us inside her house. She had prepared some tea and snacks for us. She asked me questions about school, my hobbies. My grandma was awesome. I couldn't understand why my mom didn't let me meet her before. Then something caught my eye. It was like a flickering light from outside the window. I turned my head to see what the source was but couldn't see anything specific. Eventually, it stopped. Later that afternoon, I decided to explore my grandma's property. It was really spacious with amazing views. I could see why she liked it here. And as I was gazing into the distance, I saw it again, that flickering light. It was like a dancing flame. How strange, I thought to myself. I wanted to see it up close. So I headed straight for it. Then I heard my grandma call out my name. I had just passed the fence to her property. I turned back and sat on the porch with her. Can I tell you a story, my grandma said. Many, many, many years ago, there were revolutionaries who stole a lot of money from the rich and hid it in this area. But to make sure no one ever found the treasure, they put a curse on the land. They would steal an animal and slaughter it around the place they wanted to bury the treasure. Then they would use the animal blood to make a pact with the devil. And that would ensure that their valuables stayed safe. Whoa, so the treasure is still out there? Why, you want to look for it? My grandma joked. I mean, curses aren't real, grandma. If there's buried treasure, we should go find it. My grandma laughed at me. You're funny. Aren't you just a little bit curious, Grandma? When I was your age, absolutely. The curse that these revolutionaries put on the treasure, it was very sneaky. If you were in the area, a dancing flame would appear. It would beckon you to follow it, and it would lead you to the spot. I thought about that floating light I saw earlier. Was that what my grandma was talking about? Wait, how do you know all of this? I interjected because I saw it too. I saw that dancing flame, and I followed it. It led me to a valley where there was a circle made of human remains and an X in the middle. So you found the treasure? Yes, I did, but something didn't feel right. I can't explain it. I just knew I needed to get out of there. The next day I told one of my neighbors about what had happened. That was a huge mistake. I actually had no idea that he went searching for the treasure until I realized that he hadn't been home for a few days. So I went back to the spot, hoping and not hoping that I'd find him. There was the circle of bones and decaying body parts, but it looked a little different. One of the severed hands was holding a shovel, another a gold necklace. Those weren't there before. When I realized what had happened, I immediately ran. I didn't want the curse to pull me in like it had my neighbor. Do you still see the flame sometimes, Grandma? I do, but I'm not interested in following it. She leaned towards me and pinched my cheek playfully. Because I've got all the treasure I need right here. We laughed. You know, your mother didn't think you could resist the flame. That's why she never brought you here. She was worried about you but you're a woman now, the Big Fifteen. Big girls don't let curses control them. She kissed me on the head and told me to come get ready for bed. Once I was settled in, laying there, staring at the ceiling, I thought about what my grandma said. Big girls don't let curses control them. I looked out the window. There was a flash of light. Well, maybe... Maybe I could be the first to get the treasure and live to tell about it. I think it'll be different this time. I, I just gotta try. Thank you, Marta, for sharing that story with us. And I hope that you and your grandma and your mom are still safe.
0: Angie's list is now Angie. And we've heard a lot of theories about why.
1: And our final story for today is a creepy pasta written by Nicholas Pascal. Delia jogged into the forest, smiling as she listened to her mother's cry to be careful. She was going to play with the fairies. They would keep her safe. Running over upturned roots and thick underbrush, Delia's slipper-clad feet barely touched the ground as she sprinted past the tall elms, moving deeper into the whirly woods. Streaks of sunlight breaking through the thick canopy became fewer and fewer the deeper into the woods she ran until she reached a moss-covered, sunken grove that seemed to be in perpetual twilight, glints of sunlight from high above flickering like stars in the night sky. Standing on a boulder overlooking the grove, Delia slid down to her rear, folding her arms around her knees as she stared out over the expanse of crimson that covered most of the grove. Blood-red flowers, their petals wide and rich, lined the forest floor like a thick carpet. Staring out over the peaceful scenery for a few moments, Delia reached into the small sack she'd slung over her shoulder as she'd left home today. Pulling out a biscuit, hard and cold from the time that had transpired between breakfast and now, she tossed it idly into the air a few times, catching it only to study the crumbling edges. The flowers rippled like the surface of a pond you threw a rock into, as the quiet calls of far-off birds fell silent. Delia smiled, looking down at the sea of red expectantly. "'It's okay,' she said, catching the bread in one hand. "'It's just me. Come on out!' A faint buzzing like the wings of a bee fluttered from several points beneath the red petals, glittering points of light glowing from beneath the darkened leaves. "'I brought food again.' Delia said, holding up the biscuit high in the air. A faint wind blew over the veil, a slight coppery scent filling the air that Delia savored. It smelled so familiar. The shepherd's daughter could never place where she had smelled the slightly sweet scent before, but the flower's fragrance was something she had smelled before. It was sweet. It was salty. It was something she couldn't put her finger on. A small head breached the bed of flowers, black and shiny as if moist from morning dew. The head was dominated by one silvery eye and a pair of pointed cat-like ears, devoid of fur. Instead, strands of tar seemed to connect the ears to the head, which stretched and pitched as the ears rotated atop the misshapen head. In the perpetual twilight of the grove, Delia could see dozens of glimmering eyes hiding beneath the flowing red petals, watching her. Winding her arm back, Delia pitched the biscuit out over the grove, smiling as the tar-like fairy buzzed into the air with glistening wings, stretching out three-fingered hands to catch the biscuit, which was half its size. The creature gave a flash of sharpened fangs as it bit into the bread, fluttering slowly back into the foliage below, breaking off a piece of crispy bread which it noisily chomped on. Arms stretched out, tiny yellowed bones visible beneath the holes in the tar as they elongated, tearing off small portions of bread as it came within reach. Slowly, the black fairy was engulfed in the sea of crimson once more, the petals parting and flowing around him like the ebb of the tides. Pulling another biscuit from her sack, she broke it in half and hurled it across the grove, giggling as another of the twisted little creatures leapt into the air. She entertained herself for a few minutes, unloading bread into the grove to the waiting mouths of the ravenous sprites until she came across a strip of cold bacon. Eyeing it carefully, she pulled it out and sniffed it. She could feel eyes roaming over the strip of meat, practically hear mouths salivating. The sprites were obviously intrigued. The stories all say you can grant wishes. Is this true? Delia asked, finally bringing up the subject matter after weeks of visiting the small folk. She'd discovered the veil nearly a month ago, almost falling from the circle of mossy boulders that surrounded it. she dropped her honeyed treat into the grove while regaining her balance, the lemon bar disappearing like a drop of water into the sea. She'd almost gone after it until she'd heard the sounds of the little creatures eating it just below her. Now, after weeks of feeding them... She wanted to know more about them. "'Answer me or no more food,' she threatened, holding the bacon over the lip of the boulder, dangling it enticingly. Angry chatter echoed from beneath the red tide until one lone voice remained. It was thick and heavy, with its words sounding like the bending of wood in a storm. "'Food. Wishes for food.' All right, she said, tossing the bacon out lazily, smiling as three separate sprites leapt out and tearing into the bacon mid-air while violently scratching at each other with inch-long talons. She watched the buzzing forms tumble back into the flowers, their wings clacking angrily before she continued. You know of my family, right? Yes. Good. Then you know we struggle to make ends meet. The sheep produce just enough wool to clothe us, and their meat is just enough to keep us fed. Between the animals we raise and the herbs we sell from the forest, we can barely pay our taxes. And now my father has fallen ill. The voice, hoarser this time, rasped. Food? Delia grunted irritably and fished out another slice of bacon, holding it above the red field, the wind blowing softly through her hair, carrying the copper-scented pollen with it. The chattering rose in tenor. I want silver, silver and gold. Enough to pay for the medicine we need to make my father better. Give me this and I'll continue feeding you as I have been. She threw the bacon down into the flowers to punctuate her statement, smiling as she heard the tiny beings scrap amongst each other, jockeying to get a slice of the salty meat. Scraping her slipper along the mossy boulder, Delia looked down to watch the flowers pitch back and forth, rippling chaotically until the meat was gone. The flowers swayed gently from side to side, their wide blossoms waving over the tiny black fairies. Can you give me what I want? Delia asked, pulling out her last strip of bacon. Lower a basket and give us food. You get what you need. The voice clucked, the sound of rustling leaves telling her that her forest friends were moving to and fro beneath the crimson petals. Pulling out the roasted leg of lamb and three biscuits, Delia shook her sack empty of crumbs before looking over the edge. "'I'll lower my sack. You just fill it up.' Sliding the satchel through her hands, she slowly began to lower it into the crimson sea of flowers below her. She felt a few tugs on the material— Heard the clattering voices and the clacking wings. The flower scent was almost overpowering, flooding her senses with the coppery odor she could not place. Slowly, she felt the bag grow heavier, heavier and heavier and heavier still. Shifting it between her hands, she heard the clinking of metal on metal, the sliding of coins against the fabric of her back. The clattering voices fell silent as she began tugging up the satchel, grunting as she did so. The bag was so heavy now. Smiling as the edge of her sack broke the surface of the red petals, her smile grew whiter when she caught sight of the hundreds of silver coins weighing it down. Hefting it up to her and over the edge of the boulder, she heaved a sigh before laughing. Grabbing a biscuit, she threw it out over the grove in thanks before plunging her hands into the bag of coins. Each coin was thin but heavy, with a worn face embossed on each one, etchings around the edges in a strange language she couldn't make out. Shifting her knee, she was surprised to see the boulder beneath her bore a similar symbol beneath the fuzzy moss. Dropping the coins back into the satchel, she scraped away a few feet of moss to reveal a myriad of unidentifiable sigils. They were carved around the lip of the grove at the edge of the boulder. Beneath them were crude engravings of fairies. Not like the ones in the veil before Delia, but with butterfly wings and childish grins. Taking out one of the coins, she flipped it over to examine the raised features of a regal-looking figure. The sigils on the other side of the coin looked like the ones forming a ring around the grove. The carved stone twinkling merrily as the carvings had been inlaid with metal. "'Food!' the voice hissed, catching Delia's attention. "'Food for treasure!' "'Oh, yes, here's the main course,' Delia said, "'grasping the leg of lamb and tossing it out into the veil as far as she could. "'Spinning in a lazy arc, a dozen black tar fairies leapt from the ruby forest floor, "'latching onto the leg and dragging it down into the depths below. "'Why is there a ring of fairy riding around your grove?' she asked, "'one hand cupping the bulging sack of silver in her lap. "'Cage keeps us here. "'You're caged?' Who would do that? She asked, outraged that her friends were kept imprisoned. Fairies were supposed to live in the forest freely. We did. Keeps them out while keeping us in. Oh, she said, moving to stand up. Well, then I guess I'll leave you to your meal. Thank you for the silver. The fairies hissed low, moving amidst the flowers as she stood over them. Meal isn't over. Well, that's all the food I brought. I'll bring more next time, I promise, she said, grabbing the slings of her satchel. Lifting the satchel up as she pushed herself to her feet, Delia grunted from the weight on her back before hearing the sound of fabric ripping. Before she could react, the back of her sack split wide open, pouring the coins back into the veil below, the silver coins clinking together as they hit the boulder and bounced about wildly. Spinning, Delia made a mad grab at some of the falling coins, dropping to her hands and knees to scoop at some as they fell below. (gasps) No! She screamed, her hands grasping only air. The satchel over her back stirred, catching her attention. She screamed once more as she heard the buzzing of wings from behind her, catching sight of one of the one-eyed fairies launching itself from her sack. Two firm handholds on the back of her dress as it flew over the edge of the boulder, clattering loudly. Delia wobbled from her precarious position, slapping her hands onto the mossy boulder's side to try and brace herself against the miniature creature's tugging. Leaping with savage hisses, three fairies buzzed up from their vermilion cover, their three-fingered hands grasping onto her forearms. Their skin sizzled against hers, searing tar being poured over her pink flesh like water over hot coals. Their grip sank into her arms, drawing blood, causing her to scream in agony as they pulled her over the side now the meal will begin the voice said as the fairies closed in on her their teeth bit into her flesh tearing it away in long stringy bits with claws pulled away muscle Delia screamed and thrashed the scent of her own coppery blood filling the air mixing with the same odor of the flowers howling madly she struggled to stand to knock the hungry pests away but she was feeling warm, as if she were going to sleep. The pain was slowly fading away as her eyes blinked warily, her head rising up to breach the crimson canopy above her. Fresh air! She tried to take a gulp of it, but she found she couldn't breathe. Looking around, she tried to scream, but instead of a sea of flowers, she was greeted by a sea of bloody faces. They got you, one head rasped. It was that of a young boy that had gone missing a few years before. Of course they got her, another head hissed, this one that of a handsome teen. They They always get us, us. a few heads said in unison, blinking back tears of blood that were welling at the corners of their eyes. We'll just have to warn others like we warned her, the boy said. Now you see the grove for what it is. Hopefully, our smell will keep away the next person unlucky enough to stumble by. Delia wailed, her voice dying on the wind as the fairies below wormed their magic over her, changing her appearance from that of a talking head on a spine to that of a beautiful red flower. Delia spread her petals wide, opening up the bulb of her flower, coughing out the stench of blood for all to smell. Her blood which would hopefully warn away the next child to stumble by the crimson grove. If you'd like to submit a story, send an email to snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.